Last week we talked about seeking and saving. How many of you went looking this week? Good. I'm glad nobody's raising their hand. Um, that means I'm effective in my speaking. I got to tell you though, on three different occasions this last week, and I, I'm, not making, I'm not smart enough to make this stuff up, on three separate occasions this week, I noticed my keys for my work cars sitting on the table where they were not supposed to be and not on the hook. And I thought of you fine folks. I thought, you know what? They would, they would want me to take them and put them on the hook. So I made an extra effort to take them off the table and put them on the hook. So when I got ready for work the next morning, I knew where they were. So thank you for your encouragement to me this week to not lose my keys three different times. Because that would have been bad. So last week we talked about seeking and saving is one of the things that Jesus said he came for. This week we're going to talk about the other thing that Jesus specifically said he came for. And that was... Jesus said, I came to serve. I, I did not come to be served. So we're going to talk about service today. And we're going to play a game. I, I like games. Um, I just like games. It's, it's fun for me. And it's about my entertainment. So you have to go along for the ride. Um, so our game this morning that we're going to play is Pick the Emoji. All right? Anyone ever played Pick the Emoji before? Okay. So the way Pick an Emoji works is I give you a scenario. I teach at a police academy on occasion, and we do lots of scenario stuff. We have, let's get real about what, what we're going to experience. So I like to take you on some of those same journeys. So I'm going to give you some scenarios. And when I give you those scenarios, I want you to pick an emoji uh, that, would, that would reflect your feelings in the moment. Okay? All right? It, it, we're not to the end of the service yet, so you don't have to be super spiritual. You can have some fun with this. Okay? We're not singing Kumbaya or just as I am yet, so have a little fun. Right? A little laugh, laugh at yourself. So the first scenario is this. You're driving westbound on Airport Highway coming through Swanton. Approaching Main Street. And as you're approaching Main Street, you know there's a stoplight there by those gas stations. As you're approaching Main Street, you look into your rearview mirror to the left and you see a car moving at a pretty good clip coming up alongside you. Everybody knows westbound airport highway just past that intersection does what? It goes to one lane, right? So as you see that car approaching at a fast rate of speed, you know what they're trying to do, right? I want you to pick an emoji about how you respond to that, okay? Maybe you have hearts in your eyes and you're filled with love for that person as they come up alongside you and you wish that you could stop and talk to them and share with them how much you love them and appreciate them, right? Maybe your emoji is a little bit different. Say, I, I, I know I'm not perfect and I'm okay admitting my, I'm okay admitting that to you guys. Most of you that know me probably know which emoji up there is probably mine. Um, I couldn't really put on there, oh, heck no, but there's a, um, th there are some emojis that, that, that represent the way brain, and, I, and, I, and I'm not proud of it. I want you to know I'm not proud of that, but I'm a sinner saved by grace too, all right? So what, what's your emoji? W which one are you picking? Maybe you're crying because you're gonna, about to get in an accident because you're not going to let them in and they're not going to give up. I, I don't know, all right? But there are emotions that are, there are emotions that are related to that, aren't there? Okay, so here's another one. At work, 
you have a coworker that is very, I want, maybe I shouldn't say the word lazy in front of a church. Maybe, not overly motivated. Let's go with that. Okay, so you have, you have a, a coworker at work that's not overly motivated to do a good job. They've been given a project. You've known they've had this project to work on for two or three months. And they come to you the day before it's due and they say, hey, I don't have this done. Can you put everything aside that you're working on so you can help me get my project done? Okay, everybody, everybody pick an emoji. What emoji are you picking for that one? Okay, maybe you're, maybe you're all excited. Maybe you're like, yes, I've been waiting for the chance to serve you. I've been hoping you would ask me for a long time. Or maybe you're like, yeah, this is going to be fun to watch because you're going to fail, and I'm going to enjoy watching you fail because you're an idiot in Jesus' name. Right? You can say whatever you want to about people as long as you finish it within Jesus' name. I taught my... <laughs> but pick an emoji, right? You, th- there are emotions that go with that. And, and there are things that you want to say. You, you may or may not say them, but there's, there's some emotion and some things that go in there. One more. Let's, let's have some fun with the children, okay? Because the children aren't dri- some of the children aren't driving yet and they don't have bosses. But children, think of this one. You're sitting on your phone in your bedroom because you're not in the living room watching TV because you're on your phone. That's what kids do now. So you're on your phone, and your mom or your dad say, Hey, child, dear, loving child of mine, could you please come down and help clean the kitchen? What, what, those of you that were a child at one point, too, maybe, maybe, maybe you can pick an emoji for that. <clears throat> this is what I want you to think about. While you're picking those emojis, while, while you're dealing with those emotions and, and thinking of those thoughts, what is it that drives that choice you have? Why is it that as I see that car coming up alongside the left side of me, why is it that my accelerator, I don't know why it happens, but my accelerator goes faster? I, I don't know. Why, does it, why do I not hit the brake and say, oh, welcome to my world. Come on in. Why, why is it that when people put off doing projects and then come to you and ask you for help, why is it that our, that our response may not necessarily be, I would be delighted to help you with this project. Why is it, mm, I'd kind of like to see you fail. What, what is it that drives us to, to those emotions? We're going to get to that in a little bit, okay? So keep that in the back of your mind. As we talk today, we're going to talk about service in serving other people. And I feel very strongly that we as a society have lost the art of serving others. And and I'm not one to blame everything on COVID. But I think COVID played a huge part in us stopping the service that we do for other people. Because what happened? When, When COVID hit, what happened? Everybody was told everybody else is a threat Stay in your own house, probably stay in your own bedroom, buy a TV for everybody so nobody has to be around anybody, nobody has to breathe on anybody, nobody has to look at anybody, nobody has to see anybody. Just go your own way and everybody live your work. Don't go to work and don't be around people at work. Don't, don't go to the sporting events. We're, we're going we're gonna to have the kids play sports in front of cardboard, cardboard boxes with pictures on them. We're, all of, this, all of this stuff happened. And I, I'm not, this is not a political message. But what I think happened is 
in that separation, in, the, in that isolation, we kind of got comfortable in being isolated, and we got comfortable not having to serve other people, and we got comfortable not necessarily being, and so our sense of community, I think, was deeply affected by that. Uh, I, think, I think we lost the connection to other people, because we, I mean, for how long were you now? Churches stopped meeting, and we're doing it online, and I am Again, I, I understand I've had COVID. I don't ever want it again. And I understand it's real. I'm not, it has nothing to do with that. But I think Satan was able to use that tool very effectively because it was Jesus. It was God in the, in the beginning, all the way back in Genesis. What did, what did God say? He saw Adam in the garden. He said, oh, that guy probably shouldn't be by himself. Let's make somebody to be with him. Let's, let's make him a helper. Because God believes and understands that community is vital. And part of being in a community is serving each other, right? If we're going to be in a community, if we're going to work together and be a group of people, that requires us doing nice things for other people and helping each other meet needs. And I think we've, I think we've, really, we've really gotten away from that, unfortunately. I mean, you, you can't even give donations. A lot of places won't take donations. They won't take clothing donations. They won't take food donations because they might have they might have. COVID cooties in them. I, I don't know, but nobody, nobody wants help and nobody wants to help. And I think, I think our world is struggling because of that. So I think as I've looked through serving, I found three things that I think are hindrances to us actually doing a good job of service. I think there's three, there's probably more, but there's three that we're going to talk about this morning. Three things that kind of get in the way of us serving each other and being served. The first one we're going to look at is the desire to be served. How many of you like to be served? All right, the rest of you that aren't putting your hands up next week, the next time I preach, I'm going to preach on honesty. Okay, we'll talk about that then. All right, we we all like to be served, right? It's, It's a natural inborn thing in us. Let, let me help you understand what I'm saying. Do you teach your children before they go to kindergarten to fight over toys? The first day of kindergarten, before your kid goes to kindergarten, you sit down and say, hey, now, Johnny's going to try and take the ball from you at, at recess today if he does punch him in the face. <laughs> All right? You, that, ain't, that ain't Johnny's ball. That's your ball. Don't let that kid have that ball. You, you don't have that conversation, do you? But when Johnny tries to take the ball, it, when Johnny tries to take the ball, it, they, there becomes this pushing match or this yelling match or this, this argument or this fight because that's my ball. You don't teach them that. We, we don't teach children to be selfish. It's natural. How many of you have, not, those of you that didn't want to raise your hands before, all of you, how many of you have watched those shows where the people live in huge mansions and they have people that make dinner for them and they clean the kitchen for them and they wash their clothes for them and they clean the house for them and all those people do is they show up at home, they sit down, they eat, they get up, they go do their thing and then they go maybe go get a massage. How many of you have not seen those things on TV and said, yeah, you know what, I, I could kind of get used to that myself. I, I'd be okay with that, Right? So if you just said, yeah, I've done that, well, then you like to be served just like everybody else, right? So the, the desire to be served. And so what we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 20, where Jesus actually says, I came to serve, not to be served, that's part of a conversation that happens between the disciples and Jesus. So I'll lay the groundwork for you, then we'll actually look at some scripture um, 
after, we, after I lay some groundwork. So the way this happens is there's, there's 12 disciples, and two of them are James and John. There's Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Everybody remembers Peter, Andrew, James, and John, right? So they, sometimes they get lost around Bartholomew, Matthew, the, the, some of those other names. Hey, I'm not sure about those dudes, but I know Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Okay, so two of those guys, James and John are brothers. Peter and Andrew are brothers too, but James and John are brothers, and they're the sons of Zebedee. So one day, Mrs. Zebedee, their mom, comes to Jesus, and she says, hey, I got, a, I got this great idea. I was sitting at home the other night, and I was thinking about, you know, life, your kingdom, when it, when it happens, and all that kind of, when you become king, and all that kind of stuff. I, I, so I was thinking I would ask something of you. I, I'll ask it so the boys don't have to ask it. It would be really nice if you would let one of my boys sit on the left side of you, and one of you sit on the right side of you. That, that would be really cool for us. Can, can you do that for me? Now, you guys know that I'm warped, right? You know that my mind is not necessarily always normal. It's okay. Jesus loves me. He gave me the mind that I have. But as, you, as I read that and as I read that, something occurred to me. Where is Jesus' kingdom going to be? It's going to be heaven. Good. You guys are right on top of it. Jesus' kingdom is going to be established in heaven, right? And who is going to be on the big throne in heaven? God the Father, right? And where will Jesus be? On the right hand of God, okay? So everybody got the, everybody, everybody got the picture of the seating arrangement? The, everybody sees the seating chart? What Mrs. Zebedee is actually asking is for God to move over one to make room for one of her sons. Right? Because if you're going to have John on one side of Jesus and James on the other side, where's God going to be? Mm, he's going to move, right? So, Mr. God, if you could just move over one to make room for James and John to be on either side of Jesus, I'd be really okay with that. All right? Now, see, you, it's my warpedness that comes up with that. And hopefully you're not too warped when you leave here. But the desire to be served really gets in the way of us serving, I think. And so then we're going to pick up the story now in Matthew chapter 20. We're going to pick up the story in verse 24. And we see this. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. That means really mad. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what happens in this story? James and Mrs. Zebedee asked for James and John. The other disciples hear that, and, they're, and what's their reaction? Oh, yeah, those guys are pretty good guys. I think they should get the left and the right-hand side. I'm okay with that. Well, what does the Bible tell us their response is? They're angry, right? They're mad. And why are they mad? Part of me thinks they may be mad because they didn't think to ask first, and now they're going to be the follow-up askers, and that's not, never a good thing to be, right? Part of it is because they can't believe that James and John have the audacity to actually ask Jesus to be on the left and right-hand side because it's easier for us to look at other people and the, the mistakes that they make, right? But James and John want the best seats in the house. And you see, 
we like people to do things for us. And it's not necessarily wrong. But what they were really missing in this is God's kingdom is not about who can be raised up, who can be the most important, who can be the specialist, who can be, who can be the coolest, who can be loved the most. God's kingdom is not about that. God's kingdom is about who can be the greatest servant, who is really going to get dirty and help people, who is really going to put themselves aside. That's what it comes down to, who is going to put themselves aside and care more about other people. That's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm selfish as they come. I want my way. I want my things. I want to do my, and I want everybody to do what I ask them to do. That's why I keep taking promotional tests. I get more people to boss around. No, I'm just teasing. But we like to have people do things for us, right? We'd all, we, we would all say that that's true. But if I'm wanting people to do stuff for me, then it's difficult for me to do this for someone else, right? Because if I'm being served dinner, it's kind of difficult for me to serve someone else dinner, right? You understand that? So if we're going to be good servants, if we're going to serve people, we actually have to overcome that desire within ourselves, that inborn desire within ourselves to be the one that's receiving service. Jesus says, hey, even the Son of Man, I'm, I'm God in the flesh. My purpose for coming here was not for everybody to wait on me, not for everybody to feed me grapes and fan me with big olive branches. My reason for coming was to serve you and teach you how to serve. It'd give my life as a ransom for, for many people. So we have to look at how important to me is it to be served, that I be served, that I be the one everybody falls over and does the nice things for. The second thing that I think gets in the way is our guilty feeling when we are served. How many of you, how many of you feel bad when somebody does something nice for you? Right? I'd rather, not you, I'd, I'd rather you not do something nice for me, Okay. We see this story in the upper room. Remember, Jesus comes in, and they've set up this this last supper they're going to have. All the disciples have walked in. As they've walked in, there's always in every every dinner, at every meal, there's always the, the wash basin, the water, a towel, because there was someone, always the lowest servant, the person that was the least important there, the one that everybody uh picked on and beat on and said was, you know, said was pretty useless. That was the, that their job was to wash everyone's feet. Because, I mean, really, who wants to play with toe jam for 12 people, right? Nobody. So, but, so whoever is the least of the, the whoever's the, the lowest, let's give them that job. And so all the disciples walk in. Now, the disciples are God's, they're Jesus' best friends, right? They're, they're the ones been following Jesus around. They're going all over. And so certainly none of them are the servants. So they all walk in, and they're sitting at a table. They, they recline at the table. And so you're, you're like, your feet end up near someone else's, kind of toward their head. So it's really not comfortable to have dirty feet next to your head while you're that's why this whole washing of feet thing happened. So all the disciples walk in, they see the basin, they sit down, and they, they start talking. And probably some of them are wondering, who, who's going who, to wash their feet? I mean, dinner's getting close. It's 5.30, and we're supposed to eat at 5.45, so somebody better start washing some feet pretty soon. And the person that starts washing the feet is Jesus. And Jesus gets to Peter. God loved Peter. I love Peter. 
if, if it weren't for, for Peter, I wouldn't have much hope. But Peter shows up. When, he gets to, when Jesus gets to Peter, Peter says, Peter says we, we, this is actually fun to read out of Scripture. In John chapter 13, beginning in verse 6. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, remember everybody's just waiting on someone to, to wash their feet, and Jesus has gotten up and he's now washing their feet. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing, but, but someday you will understand. <laughs> no, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. So Simon Peter exclaimed, well, then wash my hands and my head as well. Lord, not just my feet, does it? Hey, let's just take a bath here. Let's, let's get real clean up in here because I'm not just, if, if you've you got to wash me, let's make sure we get it right. Why do you think Peter was so upset? Why do you think it bothered Peter so much that Jesus has gotten to him as Peter's, as Peter's washed, watched him wash other people's feet? Why do you think Jesus is so upset? Why do you think Peter is so upset that Jesus is about to wash his feet? Because his feet didn't need washed? Hey, dude, I just took a shower. I'm good. Peter's wrestling with guilt, isn't he? Because all of them walked by the basin. All of them walked by the water. All of them walked by the towel. None of them thought they needed to be the one that, wa- that would wash anybody's feet. And now the leader of the whole group, the one they've given up everything to follow, the one who's going to eventually become their savior, now he's the one that's actually kneeling down, washing their feet. And Peter says, oh, oh no, I messed up once by not being humble enough to wash feet. You are not, never, ever, you're never going to wash my feet, Jesus. I don't care what you say. I don't care who you are. You are not washing my my feet because I am not going to deal with the guilt of having you wash my feet. You see, sometimes we struggle with that, right? Sometimes when people want to do nice things for us. And sometimes it's genuine. Sometimes I'm not sure it's always so genuine, though. Sometimes we don't want to be served because we know we should have been the one serving, and so we we're like Peter and we're like, oh, I messed this one up, but let's not keep messing it up. Uh, okay, okay, Jesus, I got the message. I, should, I, I know I should have gotten up. I should have washed feet. So let's, let's do this now. Let's get it right. Sometimes it's because we're afraid to be in debt to someone. Any, anyone struggle with being, you don't have to raise your hand, but anyone ever, you ever struggle with having someone do something nice for you because you're afraid when they're going to cash in the chip? Right? If I let them do something nice for me, are they going to come back in a week and a half and say, oh, you, you remember when I brought you dinner, now you got to go grocery shopping for me? I don't know. Sometimes we struggle with that. But it's difficult for us to be served. But when we don't let people serve us, when we refuse to be served and we say we can handle it on ourselves, we are actually hindering other people from receiving a blessing. Anyone feel, anyone feel good in your heart when you do something nice for people? You do something nice for somebody else? Isn't that a good feeling? I mean, doesn't, doesn't it kind of warm your heart? Oh, I feel good. When we don't let people serve us, we're stopping them from being able to achieve that. We're, we're removing from them the chance to be, ble- to, to, to be blessed on their own. 
we have to overcome, we have to first overcome that desire to be served. Then we have to overcome the guilt we feel being served because that sometimes hinders us as well. There's one last one, uh, one hindrance. And I want you to know going into this that uh, I want you to remember I love you. Okay? I want you to remember, I want you to remember how precious and special you are to me. Okay? Yeah, everybody keep that in your mind as we go through this because it's going to get rocky here for a little bit. All right, we're, we're going to go through some bumps. Sometimes it's difficult for us to serve because we don't know who to serve. Right? I mean, who really should I be serving? Who, 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 who should I be doing nice things for? Let's go back to, let's go back to our pick an emoji. Everybody remember? What was the reason why? We had trouble enjoying the fact that this guy is passing me on the left and going to cut me off. Why, why do we have trouble smiling about the, the co-worker coming at the last minute and asking us after putting it off or so? What, what, is, what really causes that struggle in our heart? Why do we pick those emojis? Because it's about me, and I think because we don't think they deserve it, right? Hey, I've been in this lane this whole, all the way through Swanton, I've been behind this cotton-picking semi-truck. You are not going to get in front of me. Not going to happen. All right? I've been patient. You be patient. You, you don't deserve it. Our coworker, you've known for two months this project was due tomorrow, and now all of a sudden, you want my help. You, you, you don't deserve my help. You, you had your chance. Now let's just see how it goes, right? Maybe that's just me. I'll I'll say that's just me. There might be other people out there that feel the same way, but I think that that's where oftentimes we find ourselves. In Matthew chapter 25, we see the the story of the sheep and the goats. Everyone heard the story of the sheep and the goats? Jesus tells the story of at at the end of days, everyone's gonna come, everyone's gonna be standing before the king and the king is going to separate people. Sheep are going to go on one side. Goats are going to go on the other side. The sheep are going to be told, welcome, thou good and faithful servant. You've done a good job. They're going to get all heaven and all this good stuff. The goats are going to be cast into eternal yuckiness. All right? They're, going to, they, they're, they're no longer going to be enjoying anything ever. And so we have this, we have this separation that's going to happen in, in the end days. And Jesus gives us a picture into what that separation is going to look like. And in verse 37, we see this. Then these righteous ones will will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these brothers brothers and sisters... You were doing it to me. Okay? So, at the, end of, at the end of the days, the end of our days, God is going to separate us. Sheep are going to be the ones that have been servants, right? That's what Jesus says. The goats are going to be the ones that didn't do that serving. Okay? Everybody with me? All right, we're going to play another game. I'm going to put a picture on the screen, and when I put the picture up there, 
I want, you to, I want you to decide whether or not that person deserves to be served, whether, whether they should receive service from you or not, and whether it should be joyful service, if it's going to be service at all. Okay, everybody got it? Good, we understand? Yeah, this means yes, this means no. Yeah, we got it? Okay. Okay. It's a homeless guy with his little dog in a homeless camp somewhere in California. Is that guy, how do you feel about serving that guy? Yes, no? Feel okay about that? Yeah, everybody wants to serve that guy, right? Well, Jesus said, you saw me homeless and he took care of me. He gave me food, he gave me drinks. So, yeah, I got that one. Okay, all right, we're good? We good? All right. What about this guy? Does he deserve my service? Yes, no. Ooh, <laughs> preacher, you're meddling now. <laughs> you're, you, you, you're, about to, you're about to step out of line. Uh-uh. Let's go, let's go one more. You want to go one more? How about one more? How about this guy? That's Jeffrey Dahmer, in case you're not sure. Does he deserve to be served by us? The Sunday school answer is yes. Think about your heart. Think about what your heart is saying right now. Because my guess is that your heart is saying a few things. One of them might be, why in the world does Brian have a picture of Adolf Hitler and Jeffrey Dahmer even showing up in church? Two, oh, heck no. Let's go back to the text. Look at this again. Verse 40. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of these least One of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. We are very, very good at seeing the need to serve the homeless. To serve the poor. We know, we've been told since we were little tots. Jesus wants you to take care of the poor people. He wants you to take care of the homeless. He wants you to be there for other people, right? What this scripture actually says is not the least financially sound people. It doesn't say whatever you've done for the least popular of these people. It doesn't say whatever you've done for for the least generous people. Actually, what he's saying is whatever you've done for the people that deserve it the least. Now, look at the scripture. You can argue with me, but you have to be able to argue with scripture. You can be unhappy with me, but you have to be able to tell me you're unhappy with me because I'm twisting scripture. Look at the scripture. The scripture says the king is going to make his determination, sheep or goat, based on whatever you did for the least deserving. What you do for people that can pay you back doesn't count. 
What you do for people that return the favor doesn't count. He doesn't look at how you serve people that you feel are deserving of your service. He doesn't look at how you've served kind people, how you've served loving people. He looks at how you've served those that you feel deserve it the absolute least. And my question to you is this. Who in your life doesn't deserve to be served, and are you willing to serve them? Ooh, preacher, you're getting all up in my business now. Spend just a couple more minutes going a little deeper, and then we'll get to some grace. Churches nationwide have celebrated the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Huge victory, Christians have said. Huge victory. In a lot of those people, I think, that were holding those signs at abortion clinics, a lot of those people kind of feel like they've, like we're, we're done now. We, we set out to, we've accomplished what we set out to. We've made it illegal to have abortions now in America, which actually isn't the truth, but that's a whole other political lesson. The hard work for the church starts now. Because those women that made bad choices and have children on the way because they're strung out on drugs, because they're prostitutes, because they're looking for love in all the wrong places. Those women now don't have abortion to choose. And I don't think that they should. But all of those women and all of those babies and all of those lives are going to need service. They're going to need love. They're, they're going to need people in churches that will welcome them with open arms. And I wonder, I know True North and I love being a part of True North, but I wonder how many of those churches that were so vocal about abortion ending, I wonder how loving they'll be now with all of those crack-addicted babies that are born and all of those heroin-addicted mothers that have no idea what to do with their life now that they have a child. I wonder, will the church wrap their arms around those people? And will they love them? And will they actually serve them the way that Jesus asked us to serve? Because a lot of churches feel like they don't deserve it. You made that choice. You chose to be strung out on drugs. You chose to be a prostitute. You chose to have sex before marriage. You chose, you chose, you chose. You don't deserve. You don't deserve. Church, the problem with that is this. When we determine who deserves our service, when we're the ones that choose whether you have earned the right to be served by me or not. You've stepped into God's place. You've said what, the way that I view the world and what I think should happen in the world 
I'm, I'm, the, I'm the final authority. And you violated what I think is important. You don't deserve my help. That's a scary place for us as Christians to be, isn't it? Is that what Jesus called us to? I want you to listen to the words of a song. and It's older, right? but I'm older, so... Some of the, most of the songs that come to my mind when I'm preparing sermons are older, but this is a song, it's a song called Who Will Be Jesus by Bruce Carroll. This is a great song if you ever want to listen to it. It's a little country, but listen to the words. He came home from work last night to find that she is gone. Now he's spending his first Sunday sitting in the pew alone. There are whispers all around him. His heart breaks in two. He's wondering who will reach out and help him make it through. Who will be Jesus to him? Who will show the love that restores him again? He doesn't need a judge. He needs a friend. Who will be Jesus to him? She has a reputation like the woman at the well. The only love she ever knew was the kind she buys and sells. But her thirsty heart is searching for a love that will be true. The Savior cries for her to see himself in me and you. Who will be Jesus to her? Who will show the love that's commanded in God's word? Will she see in us the mighty God we serve? Who will be Jesus to her? Wounded people everywhere. And when they look at us, do they see Jesus there? Who will be Jesus to them? Who will show the love that restores them again? They don't need a judge. They need a friend. Who will be Jesus to them? Who will be Jesus to them? Who will? When we look around and we see all of the hurt... When we look around and we see all of the broken lives from poor decision making. When we look around and we see the people that we feel don't deserve our service, we, we also often feel they don't deserve God's love. Aren't you glad God didn't feel that way about you? The beauty of the story of the sheep and the goats is that at the end of the story, the king says to all of the sheep, come into my kingdom and enjoy all that I've prepared for you. You see, when we think people aren't worthy of our service, when we pick and choose who we think based on their life choices or, or based on what they've done or based on whether their sin is as, is as big as my sin or whether their sin is less than my sin, we make this sliding scale whether we're going to serve people or not. If Jesus used our sliding scale, would you be a sheep? 
If Jesus said, I'm going to judge you according to the way that you judge other people, would you be a sheep? The beauty is, <laughs> the beauty of this whole, the beauty of this whole thing is that Jesus, Jesus doesn't use anybody's sliding scale. Jesus uses his scale, and his scale says, I want everyone to enjoy heaven. I want everyone to enjoy heaven so much that I'm going to leave it, and I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to live with those crazy, knucklehead, stupid people for a long time, for 33 years, and I'm going to give my life on a cross, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to be punched, and I'm going to be beaten, and I'm going to have my hair ripped out, and I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back to life for all of them. See, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who you served or who you haven't served. It doesn't matter if you're good or you're bad. Jesus says, I died for you. And that's why he says, only what you do for the least deserving actually matches what I do. Because that's what he did. Right? As the worship team comes forward. I want you to think about what you would say to the Lord to tell him you, you deserve heaven. What have you done and, and how have you been so good to deserve the right to spend eternity in heaven? What can you point to in your life? What, what great accomplishment, what, what great gift can you say, God, I've done so much of this. You, you have no choice but let me into heaven. Whatever you've done to the least of these brothers of mine and sisters, whatever you've done for them, <clears throat> that's how I'm going to choose. That, 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 that's what, that's how I'm, because that's how I'm going to know I have your heart. That's how I know you love me. Because that's when you're really being the most like me. When you love the people you, should, you think you should love the least. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you that I, I don't deserve any of it. But you've given it to me. God, give me that love for other people. Let me to see those in need of service and just serve them, not based on what they deserve, what they've earned, what they're going to do back for me. But because you served me, Lord, help me to serve others. In your son's name we pray.